Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, we celebrate the Feast of the Holy Trinity. We believe in one God and three persons of God, and so it's a celebration of God. Now, all three persons of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are co-equal in glory, power, and majesty. Now, when we think and speak about the Holy Trinity, we do so with some trepidation, because it's difficult for us to truly understand and grasp the Holy Trinity. And to tell you the truth, it should be. You know, the doctrine of the Holy Trinity is our doctrine about God himself. And it's something we shouldn't be able to completely understand. Why is that? Because we're finite creatures. There's only so much that we can take in and understand. Whereas God is infinite. As Jesus once said, God is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning of the, and the end. So there's no way that we can know everything about God. Now, is that a bad thing? No, absolutely not. Instead, we should never stop in our pursuit of growing in our knowledge of God and of our faith and who God is. Through prayer, through the sacraments, through lifelong faith formation, we should always be growing in the knowledge of our faith. Whether we're eight years old or 80 years old, we should never stop. As I've said many times before, faith won't grow if you don't want to know. And so we see the Holy Trinity. Now it's clearly on display in the New Testament. In stories like Jesus' baptism or Jesus' transfiguration. But we also see the Holy Trinity reveal itself in the Old Testament. Go back to Genesis and the story of creation. There you see the Father and the Son alongside of each other, and the Holy Spirit brooding over the waters as the world is being formed. Stay in Genesis. Fast forward to chapter 18. There is the story in which Abraham and Sarah are visited by these three men. Well, the three men essentially, or this story, prefigures our doctrine on the Holy Trinity because those three men are God. Now, with that in mind, turn to the gospel. And arguably, this is probably the most popular passage in all of the gospel. It's probably the well, most well-known. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave us his only son so that those who would believe in him might be saved. It used to be in, with sporting events, you would see people holding up a sign that said John 3.16. So one way that we can grow in a better understanding and a love for the Holy Trinity is by looking at each person's role in salvation history. What do I mean by that? Well, take the first person of the Holy Trinity, 
which is the Father. The Father is, it says in the Gospel, sent the only Son into the world. And so the Father is the sender. That's his role in salvation history. The Father sends the Son into the world. Later, the Father will send the Holy Spirit into the world to be with us forever. It is the Father who, before Christ, sent prophet after prophet after prophet to the Israelites for the express purpose of reconciliation between God the Father and his people. And so, the Father continues this role throughout the Old Testament of sending, sending the Old Testament prophets, and it culminated in sending his only Son. And so, God the Father, his job in salvation history is the sender. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, his job in salvation history is the one who is sent. As it says in the Gospel, God so loved the world that he sent his only Son. And so, Jesus is the one who is sent into the world to save it. And he will accomplish this mission that the Father gave him by reconciling the world back to God the Father. And so it brings God's holy people into righteousness or right relationship with God. Jesus is, yes, sent into the world. He's first sent to the Israelites, and then he is sent to the Gentiles and the entire world. Now, that mission will reach its climax or its apex, culminating on Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. Jesus is the second person of the Holy Trinity. His job is the one who is sent. Finally, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Holy Trinity, can be thought of as the sending. Now, it's God's divine operative force in this world. Now, notice that word, sending. It's what we call a gerund in English language. And it's defined as a non-finite verb that's always acting. Now, is that not the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is not finite. It's infinite. It's an infinite power, always acting. It never takes a day off for holidays or the weekend. never takes a vacation. The Holy Spirit, yes, it's that divine operative force, always acting in and through us, and the church. It never leaves us behind. And so the Holy Trinity can be seen or thought of in terms of each person's role that they play in salvation history. And yet each person is separate and distinct of themselves and yet co-equal in power, grandeur, and majesty. The Father is the sender. The Son is the one who is sent The Holy Spirit is the sending, always acting within us and our church. And so as we celebrate the Holy Trinity today, we also celebrate our participation within the Holy Trinity. St. Augustine once wrote that at the time of our baptism, our soul was branded with the mark of the Holy Trinity. And it's a brand that can never go away. It's an indemnable mark on our soul. And from that moment forward, we were claimed by God 
to be his adopted sons and daughters. What's the significance of this? Well, through baptism, we began to participate in that Trinitarian life that exists between God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As I've said before, baptism is not, it's not an empty ritual. It's not something that we can take lightly or for granted. Baptism is an event in which Jesus came and joined never to be separated again. For all of eternity, we are joined together. And he also gives us the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit to reside always within us. That's why I always say, baptism is the second greatest event in our life. The first greatest event, when we come face to face with the beatific vision, when we see God in heaven, that truly will be the greatest event in our life. Now, better yet, each time we receive the sacraments, regardless of what they are, we are drawn into that deeper participation in the life of the Holy Trinity. I'll give you some examples. Look at reconciliation. There we confess our sins and we receive the forgiveness from God the Father. In the Eucharist, we receive Jesus' body and his blood, the second person of the Holy Trinity. Confirmation, we are sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Anointing of the sick. Here with the anointing of the sick, the Father forgives our sins and the Holy Spirit is present to heal our ailments, whatever they may be, physical, psychological, or spiritual. And so, yes, today we celebrate the Holy Trinity, but it should be a celebration each and every day of our life because we recognize that we believe in one God but three persons of God that forms a community of love. But we also celebrate our participation in that Trinitarian life between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and recognize that through the beauty of the sacraments, we continually be drawn into the mystery and the love that exists between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.